What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, weekend preview, all the best picks for college football this weekend. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports online, wisemoneysports.com. If you're looking for access to a private professional portfolio, everything from football to hockey now, basketball, soccer, baseball, online, wisemoneysports.com. All right, so on today's show, what we're going to do, like we do every Wednesday, take a look at the weekend coming up in college football. And again, like every Wednesday, I'm going to play back uh, a segment of College Football Weekly. Will Chambers, the host of College Football Weekly, and myself every Tuesday on your favorite podcast player. Uh, We go over the weekend coming up in college football. So uh, let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. All right. Started off Central Florida, UCF the Knights going at Cincinnati. They're four-point favorites here. Now, this is an important game. This is obviously UCF lost last week in a bad showing to uh, who they lost to Pitt, or that was two weeks ago. And, you know, their chances at being a three time national champion, uh, repeating three time national championship, may be over. But this is big if they want to have a chance at winning the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. Both these teams are in the AAC East Division, so this game likely decides the champion, I think. So. UCF, they've won three straight against Cincinnati and by an average of 25 points per game. I think you give the coaching advantage also to UCF with Mark Heupel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Heupel? Heupel? I think, so, yeah. um, I think that Luke Fickle's a good coach, but I, I just give the advantage to UCF there. And then you look at their production on the field. Uh, UCF's averaging 49 points per game. That's good for sixth in the nation. And their defense isn't that bad either. I mean, they're, they're allowing 19 points per game. That's currently ranked 33rd. And then Cincinnati, we know that they're a good defense. Their defense is right around the same. They're, they're giving up about 21 points per game. But on the offensive side for Cincinnati, it's much different. They're only averaging 27 points per game right now. And that's bottom half. That's 81st in the country. So I think this, you know, look, we saw when UCF lost to Pitt, Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, threw two interceptions. And I think this game will be decided by who wins the turnover battle. If Cincy wants to win, they're going to need to force turnovers. And they haven't been all that great at it so far. Through four weeks, uh, four games, they, they only have two interceptions and they've forced two fumbles. So I think UCF is the better team here. But with their hopes of going undefeated and that loss to Pitt, uh, I'm kind of I'm wondering if they're going to be as motivated to win this game and play for an AAC championship because they've been the AAC champion two years in a row now. Is there kind of a motivation factor here where Cincy is more motivated to get revenge? Uh, you know, I mentioned that Central Florida's beat them three years in a row and they haven't been close. So I think you have a little bit more motivation for Cincinnati here. And I saw today when I was looking on Twitter, Cincinnati painted their turf black. Uh-huh. You know how like Boise State has blue turf? They painted the field black and did this cool thing with the end zone. I think they're trying to make this a big game are for they, Cincinnati. Are they, can they play like that? Is that against the rules? Or It must be. I mean, it must, must be legal. They oh, just did it. Wow. So, look, I, I hate picking against Central Florida. They're a team that I really like and I think – even though they get a ton of hype, I still think they're underrated from a national level just because they're in the AAC and they don't play that same rigorous schedule as we see from Power 5 teams. But I think right now I'm leaning Cincinnati 
with four point getting four points at home. They've been a very good home team, very good at home against the spread as well. Did you just say that you uh, think there's a lot of hype surrounding UCF, or did you th- no. say there's a lot of hypeal surrounding UCF? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's your headline. Hey, oh, there Damn we it. go. You're good at this, Walter. Yeah, creating the hypeal. We'll mm-hmm. work with it. Didn't but. live up to the hypeal. Hey, <laughs> folks. All right. Um, I see a letdown here for UCF. I mean. I think that motivation is the biggest factor in this week's handicap in this game. UCF thought. I I always like to play the sociology game. I know a lot of people that drives them crazy. Fair enough. It's a different approach. But I always like to go in the locker room and sort of say, what are they saying in the locker room? And a way you can do that is to read local articles, look at their Twitter. Right. Right. Often the person doing Twitter is just some, you know, call you know probably like a manager or something like that on the team right who's following them around you can really good good information on twitter about a lot of this stuff i think ucf's main goal go undefeated let everybody know where they had a goal their goal was we're gonna beat every power five team and then once we do that we've checked that off the list they, they sort of had their their they, they josh uh Heupel said that right he said it's our goal to beat every power five conference team this year then we'll take care of the other business that loss last last week. Two we weeks talked, ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, sorry. We just talked about the unfairness in college football. This is right there along those lines. They're out of it. They have no chance now. Right. And I think when you get this team that two weeks ago, well, two weeks and a couple days ago, their motive or their their mentality was, hey, we are a national championship contender as long as we go undefeated. We were right there last year. How can we not at least get the national attention? Blah blah blah. They lose to Pitt, who. I think that they're better than a lot of people think. Talking about Pitt, but th- you think UCF's like, hey guys, the Pitt Panther. I don't, I don't know how how up for that game they got, even though it may right. have been a Power Five school. So I think it's a huge letdown for UCF this week. The only reason, the only stat keeping me off Cincinnati. You mentioned how good they are against the spread at home, which is true. But against winning teams at home, that stat drops off. Now, if you look at Cincinnati, just straight up, and you go back look at their schedule, their last nine games. Guess what they are at home. 9-0 and oh, with an average winning margin of 23.6 points. That is unbelievable. Great team at home, but then you look deeper. Well, the last teams they played at home that were winning teams with winning records, 1-7 and seven right. against the spread. So they struggle in those must-win opportunities. I think that, like you said, there is motivation. I didn't know about the field. That's a, If you're going to back Cincinnati, that's a little plus in your direction. I'm passing this game. Because of that one and seven stat, I don't trust Cincy in this spot. But if I had to make a play, I'm going Bearcats. Yeah, me too. I think that it's just going to be a cool environment. They actually have a cool, you know, as far as like the smaller, lesser known stadiums go, their stadium is really cool. They have loud fans. You know, people in Ohio sports in general, you know, they're rowdy. They're good sports fans. So I think it'll be a cool environment. And then you're, you know, it may seem stupid to say, oh, they painted the field that can have an effect. No, but I don't think so. I, I don't remember the last time I saw a game played on black turf. Maybe that will throw off. You know, that could even throw off Cincinnati too. But it, it'll probably look weird to the players. It could throw things off. I think that it'll, you know, maybe get the crowd going. It's like a, a cool environment. It'll probably be a blackout game. And so I just feel like it'll be, you know. Cincinnati's going to be way more excited about this game than than UCF is, right? Cincinnati wants this game. They want revenge. Uh, I, hopefully it's not like what we thought with Maryland where they made a big spectacle out of their game against Penn State too and did a blackout and all that. But I I think Cincinnati keeps it close. 
And when they're getting four points at home, I, I think that's where I'm leading. It, I just I, I feel like I remember hearing somewhere that Boise State was the only school that was legally allowed to do that. They must have changed. Yeah, I remember that, got, but that was that, a that while was ago. Like 10, 8, yeah. 10 years ago. Because you can't just do it. Like there'd be no way that they would do it without well, checking with the and to that, make sure it was cool with the rules. Right. And that, well, yeah, you would. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, and then I think that's FBS that that used to be because I remember you know Eastern Washington has a Redfield, don't they? Yes. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, cool. That's what I got. All right. Next up, Texas. Going at West Virginia, Texas, 11-point favorites here. So West Virginia actually has won three of the last four, including a one-point victory last year in Austin. Dana Holgerson, of course, was the Mountaineers' head coach at the time. He is in Texas, but not as the West Virginia head coach. He, of course, left the Mountaineers to coach Houston. The same Kinda. Texas anymore, Toto. <laughs> so West Virginia comes into the week actually 3-1. and one. And I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by that. People were predicting them to be a really terrible team. I still think they're, they're pretty bad. Because when you look at those three wins, they're not against good teams. They beat James Madison. They beat NC State, who maybe you could say that's a surprise, but I think NC State is pretty bad this year. And then they beat Kansas as well. So Texas, on the other hand, they beat a super tough Oklahoma State team last week. And, of course, they lost by just one score to LSU, who you know we agree is playoff caliber at this point. So both teams had a bye week to prepare for this game. And I think that helps Texas more because that gives Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, extra time to prep his defense for, you know, their defense had been battered, especially in the secondary. And so, you know, everybody knows about Sam Ellinger and the explosive offense. I don't have to tell you much about that, but I think that this is the week where we actually see a strong showing from the Longhorns defense. Uh, This is a West Virginia offense that's ranked 94th in the country in points scored. And with the Longhorns wanting revenge from last year, I think this should be light work for, the boys in burnt orange in Austin. Uh, uh, it is at West Virginia, though I should say, though. Um, but you know, but this is a big game that they probably Texas probably just wants to get out of the way before their big matchup with Oklahoma next week. So I like Texas here minus eleven. I just don't see any way that West Virginia can score to keep up with Texas here. I look at Texas's stats and compare them to what we're seeing this year from West Virginia. I was down on the Mountaineers to start the season, and I know they're 3-1, and one, but I still don't really believe in this team at all. You start going through the stats. Total score per game. Texas is scoring 20 more points. Passing yards. Texas almost 125 more passing yards. Rushing yards. Texas is doubling them. Time on the field. Texas wins. Number of plays. Texas wins. Yards per play. Texas has the advantage across the board. The yeah. only way Texas doesn't dominate this game is if there's some sort of letdown, and I don't see that off of a bye week. Right. And frankly, now that everything's kind of shaping up how it is, they have one loss. They can't afford another one. I don't see Texas letting down at all this game. And I want to focus on West Virginia's rushing attack. 79, 79 yards per game will be nowhere close what they need to do to make uh, Texas's defense two-dimensional right right? or or i guess keep uh, texas's defense off balance so they uh so they can be two-dimensional right right? so i'll i think that west virginia gets stuck having to throw the football third and longs will be the name of the game and i think texas rolls here i like texas against the spread yeah me too you know you said that uh you mentioned that the the only way that you could see this going wrong is if there was like a letdown and that that really doesn't work off of a bye week maybe i guess the only way it could work is is this could be a look-ahead moment? Maybe they're looking ahead because they have the Red River rivalry next week. Is it next week? That's next week. Ooh, how about that? I just that I didn't know that until yeah. Well. But even still, I just don't really see that. I don't think that look-ahead games is really Tom Herman's uh, thing. I don't think that. I, I think he's no, proven bag, to have a, a good to be a good motivator and get his kids ready. 
And, you know, these are all his recruits now coming in, filling in for the starters they lost from last year. I, yeah, I, we're both on the same side here. I, I really see Texas as probably blowing West Virginia out of the water here. So 11 points isn't that much to ask for. Next game, Purdue. So Purdue going at Penn State. They are right currently 27.5-point underdogs. This line <laughs> moved a bunch, by the way. It opened to 25. So that's already almost three points uh, moved even more in favor of Penn State. So Penn State, they get the blowout win over Maryland, 59 to nothing. Now they've got Purdue coming to Beaver Stadium, and these teams are just going in opposite directions. You know, we entered the year knowing Penn State would have a great defense, but also major question marks on offense. And then after last week's thrashing of the Terps, you know, maybe they put a lot of those questions to bed. Sean Clifford looked amazing. They were explosive in the run game. So all that was looking really good. And then when you look across the field at Purdue, uh, you know, with Jeff Brom, the head coach, I think this is his third year now. Look, they're really struggling on defense. They're giving up 32 points per game. Uh, that's good for 108th in the country. And none of those teams that they're that they're uh, they were playing are known for scoring a ton of points. So this tells me Penn State's going to score a ton. And Rondale Moore, the star wide receiver for, for Purdue, he's out with a knee injury. That that guy is electric. He's one of the best players in the whole country. So I just don't see any way that Purdue can hang with Penn State here. That being said, 25 points is a lot, or 27 and a half is a lot. So, especially when you consider that outside of the Maryland game, Penn State hasn't looked all that dominant. They were losing at halftime against Buffalo. They barely won against Pitt. So, I'm a little hesitant to play Penn State here when uh, they seem kind of a little a little up and down. You know, maybe they'll prove that they're elite and start blowing out all these bad teams, but we haven't seen enough yet. I'm leaning Penn State here. But I just don't love it being such a high number. I don't have a whole lot to add for this game. Okay. I don't have a great cap. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a super exciting game. Uh, but it is interesting that that line moved three whole points. That is. So we'll we'll, see, we'll learn more about uh, Penn State in the weeks coming. So next up, this is a big matchup. Iowa. Going Uh-oh, Will. On the road at, at Michigan. <laughs> this line opened up Michigan five-and-a-half-point favorite. It is already down to three-and-a-half points. Yeah. So Iowa has won five out of six against Michigan. But they haven't won in Ann Arbor since 2010. Uh, they do kind of seem to have Michigan's number as of late. You know, if you remember in 2016, <laughs> oh, they no. took down Michigan when they were undefeated and ranked number one in the country. When was that? That was 2016. That was in Iowa City, though. Michigan was undefeated, ranked number one, and then they go and lose at Iowa. So, look, you know, I mentioned before, saw some improvement from Michigan, but none of it matters because it's all against Rutgers. Michigan has the talent to win this game, but I don't know if they're going to be tough enough on defense to keep Iowa off the field. Iowa to me is very similar to Wisconsin. They they're they're like a mini version of them. They run the ball, they play strong defense. And Michigan is thin on the defensive line. They've given up run uh, a lot of rushing yards to, you know, any team that has any semblance of a good offensive line. Army did it. Middle Tennessee even did a little bit of it. Wisconsin destroyed them. And then you look at the injury report, an already thin defensive line and Michael Dwumfor, a defensive tackle at Michigan, their weakest spot on the whole defense, an inside lineman, he's questionable with a hand injury. Look, I just don't see Michigan may have covered against Rutgers, but we talked on the show before, uh, last week about how Michigan went like seven straight games without covering the spread, and it went not by close either. They weren't covering the spread by two touchdowns or more. And so take Iowa here. Iowa, three-and-a-half-point underdog. This line is going to continue to drop. I think that by kickoff, we're going to see this be more like two-and-a-half or three. I like Iowa here. Michigan's got to prove something that they can play good against a good team 
before you you want to put any money on Michigan. I completely agree with that. I mean, uh, how do you spend money on a team like Michigan right now? To me, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on a team, it's about predictability. And Michigan right now is very volatile. I could honestly see any of the following happening: Michigan winning by 17, overtime. Iowa winning by 17. And before you say Iowa's defensive, they keep the, low, the the score low, not so fast. The total has gone over in eight out of Iowa's last nine games. Wow. So when they go on the road, they have the ability to play more up to their opponents, opposed to when they're at home, they can use that crowd noise and slow things down, play, the de- play a defensive game. So if Michigan wants to play that spread and, and kind of open this game up, I think Iowa will play right along. If Michigan scales things back and wants to run the football, I think Iowa can adapt to that as well. So yeah. I think based on the style that Iowa's been playing this season, they've shown a, a strange Iowa ability to be versatile. And maybe we haven't seen, again, the best team they played is Iowa State. So we are going to see maybe some exposure this week. But you look at their numbers this season, they're allowing 8.5 points per game, yeah. third in the nation in, uh, in that category, 20th in the nation, top 20 against the run and the pass. I just don't see how Michigan puts it together against this great defense. I think Michigan, you know, ends up with eight, maybe even nine wins this season. I don't know. Maybe eight is is more accurate, but I don't think this is one of those good matchups that favors Michigan. So, I mean... I'm not going to make it a huge play because I do think volatility is a real thing. And I do think that Michigan, they got something waiting, man. There's going to be one week coming up where we where we come to record this and it's like, holy shit, Michigan looked really good against that good defense. It's only a matter of time, in my opinion. Right. Josh Gaddis is just learning, I think, how to call play how to call plays during you know i mean yeah they moved him out of the uh the coach's box down onto the field by the way and uh he had you know he had been calling the plays all the way up from did he move him or did they move him they didn't say my guess is that is that he did it um but you know it's it's hard to say and and it definitely looked it looked a lot better but i feel like it'd be so much more advantageous in the boot in the in the box don't you yeah but i I don't know i feel like the best teams their coordinators are are on the field so they can talk to the players and they have like an assistant you know what i mean my point of view i I just feel like if i'm like calling plays i would want that bird's eye view and see like what the video game level (laughs) exactly (laughs) but then but then you gotta talk to your players through phones you know what i mean you can't scream at them on the field or get them lined up right you know i'd be a yeller too yeah i would be like a it did help as far as like substitution issues and making sure they had the right personnel on the field but you know michigan also has had a propensity for penalties this year and look for once previously under harbaugh they've been a great defense against teams that like to run the ball and they've kind of been more exposed against teams that can throw the ball now i kind of feel like this team is reversed they have a lot of depth in the secondary if iowa comes into this with a game plan and we're going to throw the ball 40 50 times a game i'd feel a lot better right but i think they're going to look at what wisconsin did and they're going to say we're going to chew the clock we're going to run it down their throats and honestly i think they can i think michigan's running game is a huge concern right now yeah. i mean obviously they haven't been able to run the ball much and i don't know whether that's the, the, the scheme the system i don't know what it is but i do know that last week against the 110th best rushing defense in the nation Michigan, through three quarters, averaged 3.8 yards a carry. Yeah, so their starting running back, Zach Charbonnet, has kind of been injured. He's 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 in there, but he only got a few snaps. Um, the offensive line hasn't looked great, and I think that this transition to the spread offense has been tough on their running game. But, you know, against Rutgers, it seemed more like they just wanted to get – I think that they also are trying to get – like, the whole offense has been bad, so they're trying to get Shea Patterson comfortable, trying to get the receivers, you know, keep them happy so those guys don't – you know, go on strike or transfer right. or whatever. Right. So they threw the ball a lot against Rutgers. And, you know, 
<laughs> like I said, you just can't take a lot, good or bad, against against Rutgers. It's Rutgers. So yep. we'll, we'll we'll know a lot about if Michigan has improved or if they're still garbage after this week. So take Iowa, though. There you go. I agree. Next up, so we're going to go to the SEC. Auburn, minus three, going to Florida. I think right now, I think Florida's overrated. I think they're probably the worst undefe- undefeated team in the Power Five. I don't think they're a horrible team, but they're ranked 10 right now. And their best win is probably week zero over Miami, where, by the way, Florida didn't even look that good. Look, they beat up on a bad, a terrible Tennessee team. They probably should have lost to Kentucky too earlier. And now you get Auburn, who is one of the, you know, the has the one of the best resumes in college football right now. They come into the swamp red hot. And then Florida's backup quarterback, he's looked great. This kid, uh, Trask, uh, he's looked really, really great. But... You know, I mean, look, he's he's completing 70% of his passes, but before the Tennessee game in week four, he hadn't started a game since his freshman year in high school. So he's been great, but this Auburn defense is just something else. Just ask Justin Herbert of Oregon what it's like. So this kid's got a great story being a backup in high school and then making the Florida team being a backup there. But I think he finally has his game where he looks like a backup. Uh, the weather report, by the way, is saying there's a good chance – we see rain around kickoff. That can only benefit Auburn here, who is the superior team on the ground, and the Auburn D-line being the best in the country will be able to force Trask, this this backup quarterback for Florida, to beat them, which I don't think he can do. So I think this is where Florida gets exposed, and they're proven to be a little overrated. I think Auburn goes into the swamp and blows them out. And with them being just three-point favorites, I love Auburn here. I like the under in this game. I think that both defenses show up. I think that Look, Florida. What's the number, by the way? What's has the over? Been, the under? It is 47. Okay. Florida has struggled on offense. I think I, I was just out of the room, so I'm not sure if you mentioned their offensive lines not look good. Uh, injury to their quarterback. They haven't been able to make that up. I did mention that. Felipe and, Franks. Yeah, yeah. Hurt. Felipe yep. Franks. They've taken, we talked about kind of putting teams in categories. Florida's taken at least one step back in, in that offensive category. And if you're going to beat Auburn or at least score some points, you're going to have to be effective moving the football, effective on third downs. They're not good at all. Florida is 5-0 and straight up in their last five games at home. Average winning margin over 34 points. But this is the game where... they're Because I think their defense... I mean, you look at their defense last three years at home compared to on the road, averaging 17 or allowing 17.3 points per game more on the road. They come alive at the swamp. That's a real thing. Have you ever been to the swamp? You've been to a lot of college football no, stadiums. No, that's definitely on my list though. It, it, it seems like a really cool place yeah, to watch a game. Looks cool. Huge home field advantage. So I, I, I see Florida's defense uh, having a great game. Auburn's defense, we talked about them. I think both, yes, Bo Nix may struggle a little bit. I don't want to be careful saying that this <laughs> week, but I think both offenses struggle, and I definitely like the under in this game. By the way, the total's gone under in five of Auburn's last seven games against Florida. Average score in all those games, 37.8 points. Wow. I like the under here. Okay, interesting. Um, lastly, we got here Michigan State, 20.5-point underdogs going at Ohio State. Is it square? Am I going to be square here taking the Buckeyes? <laughs> okay, so Ohio State, they didn't cover week one against FAU. Since then, they are 4-0 against the spread, and they're blowing people out. Now, to be fair, this is the first real test uh, for Justin Fields. Michigan State has an elite defense. It is special. Oh, and- whoa, that defense? The best, Jerry. The best. <laughs> Banya coming in there. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, 
there is oh, look there's part of me that says maybe Ohio State's just been hammering bad defensive teams and this is their real test and maybe they'll start slow and get exposed but how can you bet against Ohio State at this point when they've been not just covering the spread they've been going way past the spread I mean the spread against uh, Nebraska was 17 points and they beat them 48 to 7 uh, they even covered a 40 point spread against Miami Ohio by like 20 points so Michigan State their offense has looked better than last year which isn't it's still not saying much <laughs> I mean Brian Lewerke has looked much improved right he's looked like just a regular quarterback and they're throwing the ball he's you know I think he's averaging close to 300 yards per game right now but the problem is they still can't run the ball and Ohio State's defense is really good it's uh, everyone talks about their offense their defense is underrated I think it's a, a, probably a top five unit in the country right now and I think they will be able to key in on that and and take away the passing game, force Michigan State to run the ball, which they can't. And Ohio State, you know, at this point, it's like you're just expecting them to score every time they get the ball. So 20 and a half, yeah, you said it. It may seem square to take Ohio State, but it's, they're at home. Uh, Ohio State, three straight wins against Michigan State, uh, including four out of the last five. The only, you know, I don't put uh, everything into these trends, but the only thing that makes me a little nervous is, is Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State? He's won two out of the last three in Columbus, um, so he, you know he's not afraid to go there. He was an assistant at Ohio State under, under Jim Tressel. He knows what it's like to coach there. But you know we talked about it. this is just an, a different Ohio State team. Ryan Day has them like looking incredible, and this is we'll we'll know more. But right now, I like Ohio State to win by 21 or more. I like them. I'm expecting this first half line to be right around 10 or 11, maybe 12 points. I like that, too. I, I think Ohio State could definitely just blow them out. So I'm on Ohio State here. You mentioned a couple things that question that make me question Ohio State. The road team has been very good in this game, and I'll get to that stat here in a second. Michigan State, 20th in the country in defensive efficiency. They're good against the run, good against the pass, and I start looking at, like I did earlier, where does each team kind of have the advantage? Well, obviously... In the final score, passing yards, rushing yards, Ohio State is is ahead of Michigan State. That seems obvious to me, right? Especially on, on, on the ground. 262 a game for Ohio State. Michigan's still 150 on the ground a game. Not bad. You look at the passing yards. Ohio State, 264 yards through the air per game. Michigan State, 261. Yeah. So that's negligible. That, that That's right there a wash. Michigan State can throw the football Will they have success against Ohio State? I don't think so, but, I mean, if there is one game that, that, that you know, they can put a few things together, Michigan State on the road, D'Antoni in the spot, I think that's certainly, you know, possible in this game. What the stats say to me, when you look, not just, like I said, passing yards, rushing yards, time on the field and number of plays. Michigan State actually is, is ahead of Ohio State in both those categories right. by a substantial amount. If Michigan State can control the clock this game and actually run the football, which I know 150 on the ground compared to Ohio State's doesn't look great. But in, just if you look at that team as a snapshot, that is pretty good. And I think they will find success against Ohio State here running the football. Michigan State, 2-7 uh, and seven against the spread their last nine games. So I don't have any faith backing Michigan State against the right. spread. But then I go back and forth because the visiting team, here's a stat I was talking about, visiting team is 8-2 and two against the spread the last 10 matchups. So the visiting team's had a huge advantage. I, I can't go against Ohio State though I think that yeah. here's the thing 
is you always have to ask yourself, is the market charging these prices accurately, right? I know 40 points is a lot to lay on a spread sometimes, but if you think the spread should be 50, then you should play the minus 40. I think that what's happening is we, I think no one right now in the world of college football really knows how good Ohio State can be. And until we have some sort of gauge and some sort of estimation on how good they really are, it's tough for me to put my money about, you know, against them. Yeah. And so, so you mentioned that, that Michigan State has more overall plays and more time of possession. But I yes. think that to me, that's what that shows is that Ohio State, they, they score more points because they're... And, and even though they're doing it with maybe even a similar number of yardage, they're having explosive plays. Ohio State is hitting big, giant chunk plays, big, long scoring touchdowns, whereas Michigan State has to grind out these long touchdown drives. That is a huge advantage to Ohio State, I think, because if you can just force a team that explodes and scores quickly, if they're up 14 nothing, like, look out. It, it might be over for you because then all of a sudden the pressure is on you they can then force you into obvious passing situations. We know about Chase Young and what he can do in obvious passing situations. I think he has nine sacks through four games already. Wow. He's a freak. This guy's incredible. And uh, Michigan State's offensive line just hasn't looked good. So I think that the best teams score, you see it with Alabama, you see it with Clemson, you see it with Oklahoma. All the teams that have the best offense that score the most points, they do it through explosive, giant chunk plays. And Ohio State is doing that a ton. Michigan State is not. You know, if they can force enough, to, if they can, you know, make Justin Fields look more like uh, a transfer quarterback that more has like played Mrs. Tough, Fields, exa- bingo. <laughs> yes, if they can make him look like Mrs. Fields, if they can make him work for it, he hasn't played a, a tough defense yet. If they can really make him work for it, maybe he struggles, throws a couple interceptions, he fumbles, then maybe Michigan State has a chance here. But that's asking a lot when you consider that they need a few turnovers and long touchdown drives just to have a chance in this game to keep it close. And I think it's more likely when you just look at the probability that Ohio State blows them out. It's a much much greater probability in my opinion. Am I wrong? I'm seeing on oddshark.com the opening line was 13 and a half. I that didn't see that. That seems awfully low to me. I didn't see that. I yeah, I don't I don't know if that's Odd Shark can be a little squirrely sometimes. Yeah. Maybe some obscure sports book somewhere <laughs> offered that. I looked at this number on Sunday and it was already 20 and it's gone up to 20 and a half. I doubt. Okay. So, you know, ignore that folks. Yeah. I don't think that we've seen a line move that much. So, but even still, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, that even though they're big spreads, does the, is the market valuing it accurately? And I think that what Ohio state has shown is that no, they, that they're not being valued accurately and have they adjusted yet? And I'm not sure they, I mean, this is a big number against a good defense, but still, I think at this point, I think Ohio state looks like this, the first or second best team in the country. And this is the really the, the test where we'll know more. We'll, we'll find out what Ohio State is. Can they score against a very good Do you promise that defense? this is the one? You're not going to come in next week if they win 46 to 16 No, and go. if they blow out well, Michigan, Michigan State, State, we'll know. No, because okay. I think, you know, Michigan State, we don't know that their offense is great, but we know their defense is great. Yeah. It is. It's one of the best in the country. And if Ohio State blows them out, then we know Ohio State can score on anyone. And so this is the the real test where we decide is Ohio State on that level or not. How's Michigan's team speed? Michigan, Michigan State. State. Uh, I mean they're very fast on defense. Their offense, I wouldn't say. You know they have they don't have much at the wide receiver at the skill position. I guess I just meant on defense because that's what they're going to need is that their speed defense, on defense is fast and like they're loaded at. You could go down the list as far as good players. Kenny Willickis on the defensive line. You got Joe Bocci at linebacker. You got the Panushek or Panushek brothers. Uh, they're very good in the secondary. They're good everywhere on the defense. It, it it would take me all day to list all their talented players there. But they also, to be fair, haven't faced an offense like this yet. And and I'm not sure they'll face another one like it all year long. 
Uh, Ohio State's offense is explosive. They have like four wide receivers that can kill you. And obviously Justin Fields is incredible. J.K. Dobbins, the running back, is great. Their offensive line, which lost, I think, three starters from last year, has looked incredible. They've looked perfect. Uh, I don't think Justin Fields has thrown an interception yet this this year either. I don't know that, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had. Pretty hadn't. sure he hasn't. So I'm all over Ohio State here. This is one of those things where it's just keep betting them until they lose. I know, I know, I know. The thing is, Vegas doesn't like to be beaten by any one team. Like right. what Vegas likes at the end of the year is for Alabama to be six and six against the spread, and the University of Northern Book Clubs to be six and six. <laughs> right. So. When I see Ohio State, 4-1 and one against the spread so far, the books don't like that. So usually, and here's the thing. I'm a University of Colorado fan. Two or three years ago, CU, their first nine games was 8-1 and one against the spread. That's more, much more likely to happen with a team like CU that doesn't get a lot of public money. Right. It's not on national TV. For Ohio State, you don't, you rarely, rarely, I should say, see these against the, against the spread streaks continue. So... If Ohio State does end up six or seven and one against the spread, A, that says that the market was slow to react, but B, I mean, the reason they're slow to react is because they don't want to overreact right. and and lose a whole bunch of money. The, yeah. the, the markets are smart and they have decades and decades of data and inf- information to go on. All this is telling me so far is the Buckeyes are still bucking decades of information and I, I don't know when they're going to slow down. So. Yeah, I don't see any reason to pick against them. Right. Gotta let it ride. Let it ride. All right, good stuff there. Special thanks to Will Chambers, again, host of College Football Weekly every Tuesday on your favorite podcast player. That does it for today's show. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle.